Hello, all. It is February the 5th, 2020, and it is time for Weekly Manga Recap with your hosts, Nick and Chris. Chris, what's up, man? I'm Chris. I'm doing good, Nick. How about you? That is you? what's up. I've, I don't know. I've been sleeping weird all week, so mm. I'm not at my best. I'm sure that uh, this podcast will be good for me, though. So. Sure. Uh, is it because of post-Super Bowl blues? No. Um, I don't really care that much about the NFL anymore. It's just I've been... I don't know. My life's been kind of like plateaued right now, but mm. I'm trying to work my way out of it. So that's good. And I got people who have got my back. I know that much, so I'll be good. So yeah, not me. Delete my number out of your phone, please. I don't. I don't. I don't need other hmm. people's problems being dumped on me. Yeah, because that's something I always do. <laughs> Chris! <laughs> I got a hangnail! <laughs> I'm like, Nick, I can't keep solving these problems for you. As, he, as you fly into Florida with a pair of nail clippers, I've got you, buddy. <laughs> but I come with like giant hedge clippers. Like I've, I've gone through all the effort to get down here, and I'm just like, all right, now hold your fingers steady. We don't want another repeat of me trying to get your wisdom teeth out. Why do you use the same tool to get my wisdom teeth out as to get a hangnail? I have one tool! I'm using it for everything! After this, I'm going to rotate your tires with this. Now, now stick your finger in the flamethrower muzzle. God damn it. All right. Chris, we have a lot of manga to talk about this week. Do we? So. Do we? It's, I mean, my, my, I feel like if. Chrome had the ability to tell me like you you have too many tabs open. It would. It would right now. I'd be like, stop. What are you doing? I think I've got about sixteen open on this window, something like that. So I I literally haven't even made a list or counted. I've just got everything open. So um, I think we're just gonna have to get this ball rolling because there was something unexpected that happened this week, um, along with the regular Trump series. I thought I muted that. God damn it. Uh, along with Go the regular Gomon returned for a cameo in Eden Zero. The goat torture looking dude. He was in a cameo. I mean, he might have been. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was enough weird stuff that happened in Eden Zero this week that if he had showed up and I forgot about it, then he, I, I would believe you. He does in a cameo, I guess. He's in the. Now we'll talk about when we get to it. <laughs> oh, he shows up in the. Okay, right. Yeah. All right. So, but before we get into that, we're going to talk about the special one shot that came out on Viz. Uh, I guess it, I'm not sure if this was in Shonen Jump proper or what. Um, but anyway, there was a Death Note one shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's by Oba Nobata, the team behind the original series and behind Bakuman. And uh, it's. A kind of sequel to Death Note. I try. I mean, it takes place after the main series, and it takes place like in modern times when that series ended about fifteen-ish years ago. Um, but it's a very short story overall. Uh, the story so. also essentially serves to kind of not dunk on the original, but to basically be like the original couldn't happen now. Yeah, pretty much. But here's something we could do. Uh, we'll dunk on the president. <laughs> it, it's it's a weird one shot. Uh, I will say it was I thought it was very good. I enjoyed it and it did something different. Uh, so. Let's talk a little bit about it. Uh, this takes place in essentially modern day. 
takes place in 2019 instead of 2020. Not sure exactly why. But uh, Ryuk shows up again. He wants some fucking apples. And so he goes back to the human world. And uh, apparently after a few years of searching for someone uh, who can use the Death Note so that he can use them to get apples, uh, he ends up approaching this boy named Minoru Tanaka. And uh, we first see him approach Tanaka in 2019 uh, and tap him with the Death Note, which causes Tanaka to remember the first time they actually met two years previously. And then we flash back to that. And uh, we basically get some establishment that Tanaka is very different from Light uh, from the get go, because although he is incredibly intelligent, he does not apply himself uh, very much. Uh, like he gets these incredibly uh, impressive IQ test scores, uh, which Ryuko overhears the faculty talking about and goes to him thinking like, oh, this guy's really smart, so he'll be the best guy to you know use the Death Note. And uh, Tanaka's in the playground alone by himself uh, looking at his test score, and he got like a 28 on his latest test. He's like, I'm so stupid. And Ryuko's like, oh, Hi, I'm Ryuk, and I hear you're really smart because you got these top scores on this test. And Naka's like, oh, it's, I guess it's like intelligence scores or something. Yeah, all right, well, that's different, but okay, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> and um, Ryuk tells him the whole shindig about about uh, Light uh, and what happened. There is some interesting stuff in this conversation about uh, how Tanaka is... Um, familiar with the story of Kira because of uh, these, they taught, they talk about him in like their ethics classes and stuff. And uh, I like how Ryuk's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. So I bet they treated him like one of the greats. And I was like, no, they taught us about how he was a mass murdering terrorist. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sounds pretty accurate. Uh, but he also brings up that there are still people who worship Kira like a god. And it is interesting to see that effect that Light had on people because, you know, very few people knew the truth about who he actually was. So he's got this these had this tremendous influence on the world. Um, but Ryuk tells him how, you know, the Death Note works with some amusing bits about how, like, unlike Light, Tanaka doesn't know how to speak English. So Ryuk's got to be like, OK, fine, I'll fucking write the fucking translation in for you fucking pleb. Um, and, uh, Tanaka spends some time thinking about it and he brings up, like you mentioned before, how the stuff that light did could not happen today. Uh, there's too much surveillance everywhere. The internet works differently. Uh, there's no way that you can, you know, send untraceable messages and stuff like that. It'll get tracked down one way or another. So, he thinks about what he could do with this notebook because he's like, well, I could give someone else the notebook. I could return it to Ryuk and I'll just, you know, lose ownership of the book and I'll forget about it. Um, but if I were to give it back to Ryuk, would he just give it to someone else? I mean, what should I do with this? So he spends some time thinking about it. And apparently he just spends like hours just silently thinking to himself. And eventually he's like, OK, I've got a couple of questions to ask you. Are there other humans besides me who can see you? And Ryuk's like, yes, there are people who are alive from the first series still. I like and, that fucking uh, Mogi's in there, and you're like, 
Oh yeah, I guess you were a character. <laughs> Good for you to show up again. He's like the one person who shows up in this little frame that doesn't show up in the actual story. <laughs> um, like, oh, he he runs a Denny's now. He he, he left. <laughs> he's the whole... done with this shit. <laughs> he was very tired of this nonsense. The one Denny's in Japan or whatever. <laughs> it's not popular. Uh, but they do make a very interesting variation on eggs over my hammy. <laughs> the other story he asks is uh, how far can the person possessed by the Shinigami be from their Shinigami? How far can he be from Ryuk while he is in possession of the notebook, basically? And Ryuk's like, well, I guess we never actually established that in the series itself. <laughs> So let's say that you can be, oh, you know, I don't know, 14 kilometers from here, uh, from me, rather. And so he's like, all right, fine. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to return the death note to you. But if you come back in two years, I will use the notebook and I promise you apples every day. And so he's like, you mean I'm just going to like put up with not having apples for two years? He's like, well, if you don't want to wait that long, then give it to someone else. But, you know, that's my offer. And Ryuk's like, okay. And then we catch up to the modern day. And uh, Ryuk's like, okay, here we go. Where, what's the plan now? And uh, he's like, all right, I'm going to sell the Death Note. And Ryuk is shocked by the by this idea. Uh, but he says, I'm going to put this up for auction online. And uh, but, there, but Ryuk's like, but you said that it would just be tracked. And he's like, well, no, 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 it's going to be different. So listen, you said... I could be 14 kilometers away from you. Sakura TV is 11 kilometers from here. So you're going to go there and then use Japanese and write this message up and hold it in front of the camera. And so he goes and does this. And basically, you know, there's just this floating notepad that appeared that shows up in front of the news anchor's desk saying, hi, so the power of cure is up for sale. Uh, if you want to buy it, use the hashtag power of cure on Twitter. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> oh god i people have probably been using that on twitter haven't I'm, they i'm actually checking it out right now <laughs> the first one is immediately a tweet from donald trump <laughs> of course <laughs> so oh. we get to see a bunch of people reacting to this uh we see oh gosh what are their names it's it's um Chris, you know these characters. Uh, Where are they? Sorry. Uh, oh, it's Matsuda and... Uh, mustache guy. Well, I don't think this is the guy with the must. Well, he has a mustache now, but I think this was... um. God, it was like Aozawa, Al maybe? Aizawa? Yeah. Uh, God, what the fuck was his name? He was the guy, I think, that used to have like the 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 fro, wasn't it? I think I think it is. Uh, <laughs> Death Note cops. All right, keep going. I'm going to find out who it was so, again. So immediately, you know, there are people who think it's a joke, but there are also people who are just bidding tons and tons of money. Like the next day, it's into the millions of dollars. People are like, oh, fuck. Yeah, okay. Know, that, yeah, that's I, that's Aizawa. All right. Um, then we cut over to where Nier is. And Nier is like, Fuck scissors. I'm growing this hair out and it's not going to look anything resembling orderly. <laughs> um, 
and Nier is building this replica of Ryuk's face. And he's like, yeah, I'm trying to create a facial recognition system for Shinigami. It'd be really difficult to use this because there's only like three people besides me in the world who know who can actually see the Shinigami. But, you know, uh, maybe this could actually help us out in finding uh, this new Kira, whom he was referring to as a Kira uh, for, you know, auction Kira. Um and Nier indicates, oh, yeah, like I could actually see, you know, the Shinigami holding the notebook up. So this is legit. I know I know that this is real and there's a new Kira out there. So we're going to try and follow the Shinigami to this new Kira. Uh, what we're going to you know, try and look for is security footage of the two of them together, especially if the notebook is going to be handed off to someone. Um, they his assistants are like, OK, you know what? We're going to have to catch this guy, you know, and so I'll arrange a ticket to Japan. And Nier's like, well. I mean, we can't really charge him with the crime, though. I mean, yes, the notebook is a horrible murder weapon, but just because you have it, that's not a crime. If he hasn't actually killed someone with it, then we can't really charge him with anything. If you want to seize the notebook, sure. But what are I mean, you know, there's no actual crime that's been committed yet, which is an interesting way of looking at it. I mean, it's, it's correct. He hasn't actually killed anyone with it. Um. So he says, all right, um, we're going to try and get in touch with, you know, Aizawa's team, too, and try and work with them over this. Uh, they conclude pretty quickly that Ryuk is traveling underground uh, in order to travel from place to place. So they can't track him at all, even if they were to have people who could see him look through security camera footage. So Nier's like, all right, no point in me making this facial recognition thing then. And he hits a button and blows up the replica that he was working on, which seems unnecessary. <laughs> It was very unnecessary. Why was it even in the series to begin with? I guess as a way to show other people who hadn't seen Ryuk what he looks like, but then at the same time, they still can't see him, so... I don't know. I... Uh, Nier brings up that also, if the person gives up possession of the notebook by selling it, then they're going to forget about ever having had it. So there's... As soon as they do it, basically, there's no way of catching them. So they're going to have to basically get intercept the moment of the notebook being passed off in exchange for the money. So our new Kira has released another message saying, OK, the auction is going to end in, in a week. Uh, it might end even prior to that. Matsuda, like a fucking idiot, is like, hey, don't, don't, guys, no, don't broadcast this message. So everyone's like, oh, I guess it's legit that if the police are trying to stop this. <laughs> I like how it's just Matsuda, too. He's just the one fucking, like, what, 15 years later, he's still a fucking idiot. I mean, when you think about it, so time, so it would have been 2004 when he was already a cop. 2003 or four, because that took place like in the modern times, I believe. The original Death Note, it started off at the same time as and then there's when one, it was like, actually five year time skip. Right. When Kira gets caught. So, but, it, it, so it, it's about 10 years so later or something like that. Matsuda has got to be pushing 40 at this point. So <laughs> dude's got a baby face. I'll give it that. Anyway, uh, so they put Matsuda on desk duty for being an idiot and uh, the, the amounts get keep on pumping up. 
the the it, it it's to the point where countries are and governments are bidding on this. It's up to two hundred billion dollars, um, and uh, now the message changes to don't bother using Twitter anymore. Have the government representatives go into the media to make official announcements. So hey, look, it's Donald Trump. And he plays a major role in this story. <laughs> is he ever officially named as Donald Trump? I don't. Just obviously, the president it is, of the United. But... He's just the president of the United States. Okay. So Donald Trump's like, the United States will buy the power of Cuba for five hundred billion dollars, which Mexico will pay for. Uh, they essentially get into a bidding war with the Republic of China. Uh, and they're also starting to make offers like, you know, so the, the Chinese leader says we will buy it for a trillion dollars and we will promise to only use it for peaceful ends. And Donald Trump's like, we'll buy it for two trillion and never use it. So the new message just shows up just like, just just say what you're going to pay for it. I don't fucking care about it. <laughs> that is like the best. It's like, I don't care. I don't stop with the bullshit. So. There is an interesting thing that that happens when the Japanese prime minister gets interviewed about this, where he's where they're like, would it be possible to hold a summit of world leaders to ensure that no country buys it? And the prime minister is just like some government's going to buy it. Whatever country says don't buy it is then going to be the first to turn around and try to do it after everyone believes them. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the bid gets up to one quadrillion yen which is $10 trillion. And people are, you know, talking about this just like, geez, that could, you know, pay off the entire national debt of Japan. Um, and it's time to finally uh, bit, end the auction. Uh, Minoru says to Ryuk, okay, once I've confirmed the money is in, I will discard ownership of the notebook and you need to deliver it to the buyer. And Ryuk's like, well, all right, I was hoping to get more apples, but I'm curious about how this is going to go. So we go over to Nier again, and one of his assistants is asking, how do you expect the new Akira to actually get that amount of money? I mean, like, it would have to be an online transaction to get that amount of money. So how are they going to possibly do this without leaving a trail? Um, so Nier is thinking about this while building a weird block of, a weird tower of blocks and model eyeballs, I guess. What he does. So, but Nero's like, this is a very, you know, carefully planned, you know, way of doing things. They've, you know, made sure that there's no way of tracking to them to them selling the book. So the plan for them to receive the money must also be as carefully thought out. So what are they gonna do? But before we find that out, this bizarre looking uh Shinigami, who looks like an Aztec uh kind of inspired uh thing, approaches Ryuk saying i guess calling him armonia justin which is a weird i don't know is he calling ryuk that i think ryuk's calling him that oh ryuk is referring to him as armonia okay the word bubble is weird looking all right but uh so armonia justin i guess uh says that the shinigami king has called ryuk and he must re- go back as soon as he is able to leave Minoru's side. Uh, and Ryuk's like, why? Says, Don't ask me. 
And then his... He's the greatest character. He's the best character I jumped this week. He's my MVP already because he's this giant skeleton dude. He's a giant skeleton dude made of jewels who's on this chair. And the chair just slides into the scene. And he's like, hey, Ryuk, the king's asking for you. Like, all right, why? He's like, don't ask me. And then he just slides into the scene. I believe his chair has like spider legs, but that does not make the scene of him because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't move. He's he's independent from the chair, but he's like, ah, I'm comfy. I'm staying like this way for life. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Minoru sends uh, Ryu to deliver one last announcement, saying that the United States has bought the uh, power of Kira for. A uh, million trillion, a lot of money. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's ten trillion. Okay, a thousand million billion, ten trillion dollars. Yes, so the quadrillion yen point that was mentioned before. So that's it. The Americans have bought the Death Note, and so they're like, "All right, so how, what are we gonna do now?" And uh, Nier says, "Well, if you're gonna go seize the notebook, go do it. I live in America." So I'm not going to do anything about this. <laughs> but you know, I got like, not to like jump ahead, but my favorite part of this entire one shot is that it just shows how fucking lame and useless Nier is that he's just there to like have this long thing about Ah, hey, Kira, you're a formidable foe. I shall do everything in my power to try to outwitch. He doesn't even seem to indicate he wants to outwit him. He's just kind of commenting on him. He's just like a play-by-play commentator who at the very end is like, You're so smart, Minoru. Touche, you've one-upped me. I'm like, what do you do? It's like, imagine like, you know, you've got that scene where, you know, like, you know, uh, we are playing chess, the true thinking man's game. Hmm. I see you have taken my pawn, but I shall pay you back for that soon. Ah, you have taken my rook, but I am on my way to making my comeback. Ah, there goes my queen. Well, <laughs> he's like, well, you've gotten me three quarters of the pieces on the board, but I shall be ready for you. And you have me in checkmate. Well played. I did not capture a single one of your pieces. A good game. <laughs> you truly are a worthy adversary. He's <laughs> like, not for my end. You suck. <laughs> Even though you have not bested me this day, you have earned my respect. I mean, I beat you in 10 moves. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, dude, you lost a full checkmate. <laughs> I somehow captured all of your pieces in 10 moves, even though there are more than 10 pieces in chess. <laughs> um, so. But yeah, Nier tells them, like, anyway, the more pressing issue is, you know, how Akir is going to actually handle the transaction here. So this is, you know, the chance for uh, us to to grab him if we really wanted to. Um, so. 24 hours after this announcement is made, there's another announcement made. And so like, oh, well, so probably what's going to be is that, you know, so near basically says 24 hours from now is 6 p.m. on Friday. So that is when the banks will close basically for the weekend. So that's why they chose that time for the next announcement. If they want the money deposited in Japanese bank, 
though that's asking to be caught essentially. And, you know, here's like, yes, the lifetime earning potential of the Japanese, the average Japanese person is merely 300 million at best. If a has been playing this up from the start, they're actually phenomenally smart. So the next day announcement is made saying the money from the winning bid should be deposited by May 27th of this year in equal amounts to every person with a Yotsuba Bank of Japan savings account registered residents in Tokyo age 60 and under as of May 24th, 2019. So the way that <laughs> Minoru is avoiding being caught is by evenly distributing all of the money to, you know, approximately a million people. So that there's no way of actually tracking it to him. And, you know, the announcement is made. I mean, it was just like hanging out in his room. His mother approaches him saying like, you've got a savings account with the Otsuba Bank, don't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, you're rich now. (laughs) (laughs) So there's all these people who are rushing towards the bank being like, I'm under 60 in love in Tokyo. Let me open an account here so I can get a a fucking ton of money. So each person is getting like $10 million as a result of this, uh, who has this account. And so they're like, yeah, there's hundreds of thousands of people with those accounts. And Nier's like, for the first time since I became L, I must admit defeat. You did nothing. <laughs> it's like, you never left this room. You and your stupid friends did nothing. Uh, so, yeah, and the money actually is coming in. Uh, to people's accounts, there is, you know, chaos unfolding at the banks with people flooding them to try and get their money. Uh, and there's an announcement on the news saying like, yeah, more news can, details can be found at the bank website, but the bank has announced the customers will only be able to withdraw their savings about prior to the 24th up to a total of 100,000 yen per day. So Manure is like, so I'm not going to be able to access it for about a month, but they did actually, you know, put the money in the bank. So yeah, deal's done. So Ryuk, take this notebook to the president of the United States. Ryuk's like, okay, is that it? Yeah, we're done. Once I've discarded possession of it, I don't want to see you ever again. I'm going to forget about all this. I'm going to live a happy, comfortable life. I don't want anything to do with this dangerous goddamn thing. And uh, bye. And Ryuk, you know, kind of was like, huh, well, you managed to use the death note without actually writing in it. So that was a fun, fun, fun time. And so he gives it up. And approaches Donald Trump in the White House. And uh, Ryuk says, I got yelled at by the Shinigami King before I came here. He said, how could you let him sell the death notes? Uh, So there's a new rule that's been added, which is a human who buys or sells the death note in the human world will die. The seller will die when they receive the money. The buyer will die when they receive the death note. So Trump's like, what? So Ryuk's like, yeah, so you paid all that money just to die, basically. But if you refuse to take the notebook, I will treat it as if you didn't buy it. But you won't get any of your money back at this point. So if you take the notebook, you'll die. But it will remain here. So someone else in this country can pick it up and use it. It will still belong to your nation. What's the plan? And Donald Trump's like, I'm not taking it. And Ryuk's like, oh, okay, got it. You value your life over your country. And Trump's like, but I'm going to announce that I've gained the power of cure anyway. I've got it, but I refuse to use it. It will make me look like a saint. And Ryuk's like, very shrewd, Mr. President. 
And I'm thinking, like, this is definitely the least realistic part of this story. <laughs> You're like, he wouldn't have immediately gone onto Twitter and be like, unfair, hashtag, dork Ryuk, dork Yuke, giving me unfair rules <laughs> for the Death Note. This is unfair. I'm the most maligned president in history. I'm treated so unfairly. Like, it's like nonstop tweets. <laughs> it's just Ryuk standing like, excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> are you going to t- are you going to take the notebook or not? <laughs> Can you stop tweeting? <laughs> no, I think that probably what would happen is is you know Rika's like there's this new rule in the notebook, so if you accept it, you'll die. And Trump would have just been like fake news. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, like this is the man who stared into the sun during the eclipse. Like he would not believe this. He would just be like, "You're lying." <laughs> So Ryuk's like, well, what do I do now? Minoru doesn't know about this new rule. So, hmm. Anybody thinks about what Minoru told him the last they talked, which was you have to keep your word. So don't ever show up around me again for any reason. Or Ryuk's like, well, he did say that. So he doesn't show up in front of Minoru to tell him, hey, if you take this money, you'll die. So a month later, um, this Action is having huge effects on Japan. It is being referred to as the Reiwa bubble or the Kira bubble because everyone's got all this money that they can spend now. So the economy is being boosted. Uh, but uh, in the bank, Minoru goes to withdraw his money and he falls over dead because he has received the money and completed the payment. Although we actually see um, that the reason he died was not because of the rule in the notebook. It is because Ryuk wrote his name in his own notebook. And uh, it's uh, a cool little detail that it's the last name. The last name that he wrote was just lights. He has not written in the notebook in the years since then. Nice little extra detail. Um, And he says, you know, it's a shame. His plan was perfect, but it doesn't matter how you do it. Any human who uses the death note meets an unfortunate end. And then he just, you know, kind of closes his book up and is like, isn't there anyone else around here who will let me stick around longer so I can get more apples? <laughs> and that's it. That's the final note of the story. I thought this was really cool and I really enjoyed reading it. Um, I do really like this idea of using the notebook in a way that does not involve actually using its powers. You just kind of use the idea of the notebook to get something valuable in exchange. Um, but in true fashion for death note, you know, the protagonist in this new story is very different from light. He doesn't want to kill anyone, but he does still do something selfish, uh, which is I'm going to use this power that just randomly fell on my head in order to get something that I want. Uh, and because of that, he still dies, even though he didn't do any murder. It's a very um, appropriate way of ending this story. So. Yeah, uh, we have too many series to talk about this week to really go into it, but it is a super fun little short one-shot. It's kind of interesting in how pointless it is, but in that way kind of almost reestablishes the Death Note brand into something more akin to like a Twilight Zone where you're like, hey, we're going to take short stories within this universe and do something like that. And it's like, oh, it's kind of cool. I mean, I would love to see more stuff like this, Yeah. More stories of different people, you know, getting the death note and how they react to this opportunity they're presented with. Yeah, it it was pretty fun. And of course, each of them meeting a tragic end because they decide to use the death note. 
That's the thing about it is that, you know, I do feel worse about Minoru being killed than I did about Kira, who, I mean, like, when Light dies, I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> fuck you. Mine <laughs> Which, was worse because I, re- I, I actually thought that I, I kind of misread some things. I thought Minoru was actively trying to wipe out the Japanese national debt. So I was like, oh, man, no. that's really rough. And I was like, I guess he's kind no. of okay with that being a bit of a byproduct of it. But as long as he still gets a shit ton of money. He does this for selfish reasons mm-hmm. still. I, or at least it's implied that he does. Um, it's open to interpretation, which I do like. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely seems more like this is this whole plan was just a means to an end for him to get a comfortable amount of money. Um, it And... I do like that that kind of fits in with the personality we get with him not being one who really applies himself. So he just kind of sees this idea to get $10 million and goes for it. And then he could just be like, yeah, I'm just going to live in comfort from now on. <laughs> he doesn't care that, you know, a million other people are going to get all that money, too. So. All right. But we should move on to My Hero Academia. Number 259, A Quiet Beginning. Uh, there is an interesting little thing that happens at the start of this, where we just see a little shot of, uh, seemingly, uh, the Todoroki's mother, uh, seemingly joining them in their house. Um, but anyway, uh, we are introduced to Maruta Shiga, which is the real name for Dr. Uruka or, or Dr. Ujiga, not, not Dr. Uruka, my bad. Uh, by the way, Maruta Shiga is apparently... Not his real name, or it won't be for very long. Chris, did you hear about this? No. So, turns out that he happens to share the name Maruta with a set of human experiments. Um, that uh, happened during the Sino-Japanese War. Uh, basically, if you can think of like, you know, the human experimentation that happened in the Holocaust camps, Mm. it's kind of the Japanese, uh, equivalent to that. So Horikoshi has issued an apology, uh, saying that this was merely a coincidence. It was not a deliberate evocation of those tragic historic events. Um, I don't know if I necessarily buy that because he is a guy who d- did a human experimentation on people with quirks and stuff. It seems like it's a bit of a coincidence if that is the case. Um, but uh, this is going to be changed apparently in future uh, publications. Uh, so hopefully his name's going to be changed. Hopefully to Robotnik. I mean, like <laughs> Egg- Eggman's an okay name, but Robotnik's like the clearly superior name. So. <laughs> Let's 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 do like that as as with many pieces of advice I could give. Uh, please be more like Sonic the Hedgehog and pick the superior name for your bald goggles wearing giant mustache supervillain. So for the time being, I'm just going to keep on calling him Uchiko. OK, uh, so we basically get almost confirmation that that doctor that uh, uh, Midoriya saw at the start of the series it's probably actually him because uh, he has like founded this hospital, set up orphanages and nursing homes nationwide through partnerships with the hospital. And uh, he is seemingly, you know, he is considered like a whimsical man, but he's respected in many communities, basically, 
but they have dug up dirt on him. The heroes have, and they know that he is tied to uh, all for one. And they're like, yeah, so this guy has access to this room and only he does. It's ac- accessible via the morgue. And we managed to get this photo of, uh, of him going inside of it. And hey, look, there's a there's a tiny Nomu with fucking sneakers who's seeing him there. And yeah, they're like, oh, my gosh, it's an itty bitty Nomu, baby Nomu, the newest craze that's going to be sweeping all of social media. Yeah, let's check out hashtag baby nut over here. Baby Yoda, baby shark, baby nut, baby Nomu. If it helps. So, like, everybody's been shitting on, like, the baby nut thing. Like, what a stupid idea. What a dumb idea to try to, like, get publicity. My first exposure to it was the commercial happened. And moments later, my sister texted me. She's like, I love Baby Nut. I was like, see, this is why you can't believe the internet. This is why. Because yeah. basic bitches love this shit. <laughs> I love oh, great. Oh, Chris, when your sister listens to this episode of Weekly Manga Recap, she's going to be so yeah. insulted. <laughs> she's going to sit through the 30 minutes of Death Note talk to, <laughs> to get to the Baby Nut discussion. By the way, she Death Note's the only anime she even remotely enjoys, but still she won't get oh, to okay, that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so they're like, all right, we've got to take down the entire paranormal liberation front along with the Nomu and Shiga and Shigaraki, all of them all at once. So every heroic character in the series is being gathered for this mission, basically, plus a bunch of people who you don't even fucking recognize. Uh, so like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to go storm the enemy commands are inside the building. We're going to storm it. We've got to make sure that the, the warp quirk is not used. Uh, but he's that guy's over at the hospital. So we're going to have someone go over there, too. Once their escape route is blocked, they'll have nowhere to run. And uh, we do get, also get some establishment that not all of the people from uh, UA are in one group. Some of them are like on the headlines, uh, on the front lines, rather. Some of them are uh, with the in the backup group that is to uh, handle evacuations and stuff. So. Uh, we get a number of group shots. I'm not going to even bother listing some of the ones in different groups because there are so many characters in these group shots. Uh, they, they do bring up the point of like, hey, so why do we know the meeting schedule of, uh, you know, what's going on with the Liberation Front? And Endeavor kind of says to Tsukauchi, was it him? Was it what they figured out? It was at this hospital. And where is he? And what's he up to? And that's classified. And I don't know who you're talking about. (laughs) And Endeavor's like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) But so Endeavor's like, all right, I've done what you said, Hawks. So here we go. Yeah, talking to himself. Uh, We cut to downtown and there are people who are like, where are the fucking heroes? But then they're like, oh, wait, there's one. There's Slide and Go over there. But Slide and Go is also like, what's going on? Where are all the other heroes? Um, I don't remember this character's name. It is the third guy who is in the the you know group with Mount Lady and Kamui Woods, the punchy dude. Uh, so he comes up from behind Slide and Go and kind of grabs him around the neck and is like, "You're the only one out of the loop, you backstabbing liberation nut!" And everyone immediately storms in. Uh, the, all the heroes go into action. 
there is apparently an insider who at the hospital who calls over to Suka Uchi and Endeavor and uh, Ujiko is just walking down a corridor by himself and he's like, all right, Shigaraki should be ready in just over a month. Things are going well. And oh, my God, Endeavor's here. <laughs> and Endeavor's like, so you are the devil's minion, huh? And Ujiko's like, ah, <laughs> and that's it. So, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, this is like a pretty exciting chapter. We're sort of setting ourselves up for what's going to happen. Uh, it's a way to kind of get the heroes, like the kids involved. It doesn't necessarily mean they're trying to break all their rules about like, hey, let's not involve these kids in super dangerous mm-hmm. mission. Like, hey, you're kind of just here to evacuate people because it's almost certainly going to become a giant fight. Uh, oh, yeah. So it, it's interesting to see. Um, I think this is going to be a very significant chapter going forward because this looks like the start of something. And this is a good chapter to kind of get me excited for my hero again, which hasn't happened in a bit. It definitely seems like it's setting up for that kind of thing that happened when they went to go and rescue Bakugo. And it seemed like they had everything handled. You know, everyone was all tied up. They had knocked out the people who with the most dangerous quirks. And then all of a sudden they were worked away and uh, the Nomu were attacking the other group and things were going wrong. And, and you know, All Might ended up be losing his powers by, by the end of it. Uh, so I expect that some kind of a turn is going to happen in a chapter or two. And there will be some sort of thing like they knew this was coming or there is just something that the heroes aren't prepared for or something like that. So. All right. Let's uh, move on to actage. It's chapter 99 winner. Uh, so was it Hanako? Yeah. Uh, she kind of has this like vision like this. It, she has this feeling of like when she woke up in her childhood uh, in the wintry mountains and she felt like, you know, she saw her imaginary friend and then it kind of like fades into her seeing uh, Kay as Princess Iron Fan. And she thinks to herself, why does it only reach you? Why never me? Hmm. So. Seemingly, Kay has managed to capture this essence that Hanako was was trying to capture for herself, and uh, she didn't get to actually experience what she wanted to, I guess. Uh, there are a bunch of audience reactions, and which are pretty mixed uh, based off of what happened at the end of the play, uh, you know, because there are people who are like, you know, the cast kind of went off script uh, people are analyzing Ogami's action where he stopped Princess Iron Fan. There are a lot of people who, you know, thought that the play was really good. Uh, there's I do like that there is, uh, you know, a little girl who wants to meet Princess Iron Fan uh, because they were so taken in by a case performance. Um, but there are there, the, the, you know, there are also people like, you know, this is really weird. But then Kay's friends uh, from the you know cinema club at school were like, that was really captivating. You know, like I felt the wind blow. It was really powerful. And Hina in particular seems to have been really affected. Well, Hina in particular seems to have been really affected by what happened. And she's like tearing up and she's like, I've got to go find you Nagi and talk to her. So then we also cut over to the secondary uh, cast or the second cast, I guess. And they're like, yeah, we've won. Cause uh, the footage from the first performance is what's going to be streamed online. Um, there the producer is like okay for team a we'll use the second performance for the stream 
And Kuroyama's like, no, you know, Yamano was doing everything in order to, you know, evoke all of that for tonight's performance and everyone rose to the occasion. What are you going to do? You know, that's messed up. And uh, the producer says, there's a lot of money invested in this. We are not thespians. We are in the movie business. So we want this. <laughs> we want more attention and money and a good reaction. So we're not going to do that. And Kuroyama's like, fuck you, <laughs> basically. I do like this little conversation, though, a lot because, you know, Amachi's coming from a place of, yeah, but we're going to do the thing that'll get us better publicity and make us more money. though. <laughs> Who cares about your 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 dick measuring contest between actors? Uh, Kay's uh, co-stars congratulate her uh, on her performance. She apologizes to them for, you know, kind of acting selfishly. Uh, Ogami is like, well, you know, I'm the same way. If I'm not satisfied with how my co-stars perform, then I take matters into my own hands. And if you've got a problem, you should talk to my lawyer. And uh, the others beat him up. And they're like, hey, you were lucky, Ogami. Um, and they're like, hey, all basically they say, like, no one should blame each other. We all agreed in the moments to do what we did. And then there's Hanako off in the corner still. And Kay just says, why did you suffer alone all this time? Why didn't you let us support you? I'm like, you forgave her really quickly. <laughs> A little frustrating. And uh, then finally we cut over to Chiyoko, uh, who is upset because basically this whole, the way that this played out has kind of ruined uh, what she wanted to do to defeat K because now it's no longer going to be about them, you know, clashing and stuff like that because things kind of got corrupted at, by the end. Uh, but Kuroyama goes and fetches her and has him is carrying her over his shoulder because she, I guess didn't want to come and uh, they're going to a movie screening. They're going to go and see the death Island premiere uh, because Kuroyama says that this is important. It's it's a rehearsal. It's reviewing your own work. And we have more than enough time and talent to make this performance so great. Our victory will be indisputable. It's kind of all over the place. So this is the first time she's I guess maybe if you're a performer, she just doesn't choose to see movies. But I'm like, wouldn't she have been mm -hmm. invited to the premiere or something like that? Some actors do deliberately not go to premieres of their films. Like I, for example, like Adam Driver yeah. would not do not do that. So, um, and also, you know, I think that for her, you know, perfect image thing, I'm sure that she just doesn't give a shit. So I'm just kind of surprised we didn't do like a premiere chapter. And it does feel like, like Death Island happened. To it does feel like Death Island happened a billion years ago at this point. So. so, yeah, I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens with this second group, because this finish is weird to me. So this conclusion does not feel satisfactory, especially with the especially with Kay being like, why have you suffered alone? And not goes she. Remember the whole thing where she said, I slept with your dad? <laughs> I side with the evil producer. <laughs> I totally, I mean, he makes a good point of like, I don't care about your clean competition between, you know, actors and stuff. 
I want the best performance possible for us to upload online so that we can fucking have more people go and see this movie. So, (laughs) yeah. All right. Chris, Eden Zero. Let's talk Eden Zero. Chapter 80, 60 day commemorative coin. I wonder what that's about. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, uh, wow, so much, really. Uh, Homora's had all of her clothes taken away, basically. And uh, weirdly, this is actually a really debilitating thing for her. She cannot properly fight in this state. She is too embarrassed, despite the fact that she's currently alone. So it's not as though there's, like, a bunch of prying eyes on her. It's just her and the person who wants to kill her. So you know, I guess priorities are a bit strange. Hamora starts running. She she cut open she cuts open like a, a pipe to uh, like fill the area with smoke. Uses that to escape. Run into a building. By the way, she has the most ill fitting underwear. Yeah, uh, I. <laughs> it cannot be comfortable, you know. Well, you know, maybe she doesn't care about comfort, or maybe she doesn't I know get... about different uh, cuts. It's the you know? only underwear she's ever worn. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I'll, she, well, it's just that she just flips it out inside inside out each day and just continues it going. Let's just assume that Valkyrie just like got his pair of underwear because she doesn't know the difference between them because she's a robot and Homura never questioned it. Let's uh-huh. just go with that. Okay. So Homura runs into a random building. And she's like, oh, God, I have to find garments and opens the door. And whoa, what would you know? The first place she opens is a dressing room. The heavens smile upon her. Uh, and it's full of just kind of like bathing suit sort of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. She calls it safe swimming apparel, although that doesn't make 100% sense of what we're about to find out. But there are also masks here, which is great because maybe she's going to have to run out into the, the city. And this way people won't recognize her. Uh, but after she puts everything on, someone's like, hey, we're short-staffed. Get out there. And she's like, wait, what do you mean? And she's pushed down to the stage. And what would you know? It's the place that is like the the dance club they were at before. It's I, I guess it's not specifically a strip club. Uh, but it's a cabaret club, at least of some extent. I and was so worried when this happened. I was like, please don't. <laughs> Uh, well, everyone's screaming at her to start dancing because she has such a sexy body. Uh, but then Sylph shows up and everyone's like, oh, God, wind's here. Oh, God, it must be Sylph. So Abora's like, I don't want to fight you with all these people here. Don't do this. And then Sylph just sucks everybody up into her windball. It's like, there, now it's not a problem. Uh, I, I, why didn't she just suck up Amora too? Well, then she couldn't have taken off all of her clothes, Nick. Good point. <laughs> What was I thinking? We wouldn't have been able to get Homura in scantily clad clothing then. Everything, everything's a logical plot point to that. Hero sits down. He has his storyboard for like three weeks. He's like, how can I jerk off at the end? <laughs> this chapter is the first in a while that feels like it's just Hero trying to be as horny as possible. I mean, like we've had the occasional like bath scene that's happened or, you know, Weiss, for example, uh, Pervin on Girls or stuff like that. But I feel like we got through pretty much the entire arc with involving like Valkyrie without having any chapter like this, this, this disgusting and shameless. Now, it's it's worth noting 
we're still in the strip club. So there is mm-hmm. a, still a very real possibility that Hamor will have to pole dance. Her She'll way have to pole dance in order to <laughs> counteract the effect of the wind. If she, if she starts pole dancing super fast in the opposite direction to like counter the wind, I'm going to lose my shit. All right. Uh, the one thing is at the very end, uh, self name drops like, hey, this is how I kidnapped Rebecca. And I'm like, why did you do that? And she's like, those are my orders. So we end the scene with more being like, why would you be ordered to kidnap Rebecca? Cut over to Rebecca and Daikun. I can't remember his name. Earth dude. He's like, hey, you want chocolate? Oh, you don't like chocolate? Hey, look at this. It's my coin. I haven't tortured anyone for 60 days. I got a group therapy. And we see like a snapshot of his group therapy scene. And as I mentioned, Goman, the goat torture guy is there. So, hey. I guess um, he's okay in this universe. Uh, well, not okay. He's in a, a, a torturing anonymous group, so I guess he's, he's not okay, but he's alive. Uh, and he's like, Rebecca rightfully is like, what do you mean you haven't tortured people for 60 days? What did you do to Labia? And she's like, oh, this isn't torture. This is like light messing, you know? Like, this is this is a break the rules, basically. So real torture would be, and he's like, ah, you know what? I actually, ooh, 60 days, I think, is as much as I can do. I really need to start torturing her right now. Oh, God, anyone want to pick on her, aren't I I right? So Rebecca pulls out her guns, and all of a sudden, plants start growing out of her wrists and sort of latch herself to the wall so she can't, you know, hold anything. And he's like, oh, well, I'm not supposed to lay a hand on number 29, but I can't hold it in anymore. And then we cut away, and Jin is fighting Shiki, and Shiki's like, whew, you're tough. And then we <laughs> we cut away. I'm glad we stopped there for a quick second. And we cut over to Noah at the Shooting Star Guild, and he's like, ah, yes, according to my calculations, it's, it's all going, well, everything's going all according to my calculations so far. So now, what will be your next move, number 29? Yeah, so this chapter was garbage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, people have brought it up that Sylph has become uh, very much the desert guy from the Spriggan 12, where she can't stop. Your wind is wind. caught. Your yeah. wind. I've, I've trapped you in my wind. This can't stop wind. Smoke can't beat wind. Uh, it's very, just, it's very hero fetishy weirdness that Homor has to dress up in a. Uh, let's just say a uh, belly dancing club. Let's let's be as kind as possible. So she I mean, has she to dresses, put on. She dresses like Kana would in yeah. fairy tale, so it's so not that has, bad. Yeah, she has to put on more risque attire and go to a dance club, and then all that, and then we have the the more torture fetish stuff from uh, the the Earth dude. So. I, I mean, amongst, amongst everything in this chapter, like it would be different if it would be different if Homura had like for even a moment had to be like, oh, no, I must blend in with the crowd and started doing, you know, like vertical splits and stuff. I would be like, Ugh. but the fact that she does it and then it teases that it was like, you know, and then, you know, Silk just shows up like, oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, but then after that, you got the stuff with Lobelia and I'm thinking, oh, no. But then nothing really happens. The thing that got me in this chapter that really made me feel creepy was when Rebecca has the like vines or 
roots, I guess, growing out of her arms and they latch her onto the wall and she's, you know, like pseudo crucified up on the wall because it's suddenly given this big full page shot of her trapped helplessly against the wall. I'm like, oh, stop that. Don't do that. It's weird and creepy. So there was a lot in this chapter and it just kind of like kept on building and building. And it finally got to that. I'm just like, fuck you here. You fucking big pervert. Stop being horny on Maine. So, yeah, did not like this. It just doesn't help that the Daikon or whatever his name is doesn't feel particularly. I like torturing people. Yeah, it's just another like hero one note villain who has one personality trait, which I understand. They're, they're a series I greatly enjoy who also have villains of one personality trait. But I guess those are usually funny. Mm. So I, this gimmick just is sort of lame and. I don't know, the bouncing around stuff's just kind of there. It's just one of those chapters where you're like, okay, Hero may sometimes be better than when he was kind of at his worst in fairy tale, but he's still he's still able to go to that level. I actually would have preferred to have a Goemon type thing. At least his torture methods were, you know, weird. So mm-hmm. somebody jerks off to it. Somebody. Yeah. New series in Shonen Jump, Guardian of the Witch, chapter number one, Guardian of the Witch. I had to think of that name. Uh, I'm going to try and get through this really quickly. Premise of this series is it's a fantasy series, huge armies of evils. That's what they're called. Evils, these big ass monsters uh, try to invade a city. It's kind of attack on Titan style, you know, the big walled castle city. Uh, and each of these castle towns are defended by a witch, someone with these huge magical powers. And so uh, the witch uh, defeats them all, and she has a guardian, our protagonist, Fafner. Uh, and, and the witch is named Manasfa. And they have this, you know, very kind of strained relationship because uh, despite the fact that Manasa is like the hero of this city, Fafner doesn't like her because he just doesn't like witches in general. He thinks that people rely on them too much to stay safe. Uh, we also are introduced to Nata, who is Manasfa's maid. So this is at the, at the moment at where we're at after the first chapter. It seems like these are going to be our three primary characters. There's a lot of F's in those names, which is unusual for a for a series but uh we get to know fafner quite a bit uh like we learn about when he first joined the guardians the knights essentially of this city that he was telling them like well you know my dream is that we'll be able to predict this city state all by ourselves without relying on a witch for help and so we're going to need to grow and improve as soldiers and they just laughed at him and they're like come on this this isn't how it works in modern warfare you know witches destroy evils not the guardians and fafner's like yeah i want to change that and like, all right, well, why don't we have a sparring match? I'll bet I can beat you black and blue and show you how foolish you are. And Fafner kicked his ass. And he's like, what's nonsense and what isn't is something that I'll decide for myself. And Fafner's like, look, I've seen evils up close. I watched one eat my parents and my little sister. It suddenly appeared within the walls and no one, not even the army, saw it coming. The witch was late in coming. The guards were ineffective. Many people died. Witches are weapons. The more powerful the weapon the weaker the humans behind it tend to become. I told myself I wouldn't be that way. I'm going to be stronger and better than anyone. 
I really like this detail about his thoughts on witches and why he doesn't like them. It's because not because he dislikes them as people. It's because he dislikes the effect they have on people and makes them, you know, sit back on their laurels and grow weak. So I like it. However, he ends up being assigned as the guardian to this witch, which is, you know, ironic for him. Uh, But uh, in the present, he ends up getting called in by the rector. This, the head of this town, the priest, the king, I don't know, the leader. And he's like, you're doing a good job, Fafner. He's like, yeah, I know, but can I go back to my combat unit, please? I don't like this. <laughs> and he's like, well, sure, we can arrange for that, but you have to complete one final mission for me. Kill the witch! And Fafner's like, but really? <laughs> and, and Rector's like, and the Rector's like, I have evil lighting now. And he explains, uh, like, hey, here, I've got this magical artifact thing that I'm going to show you. And essentially, they have, like, secret recording equipment uh, within Manafsa's uh, quarters. And when she is being tended to by her maid, uh, she gets her clothing taken off and there are all of these evil looking markings going throughout her body and like eyes poking out of her skin and stuff. And the rector says she harbors evils within her. Essentially the way that witches happen are they are not born. They are made. And so, you know, at regular intervals, young girls are summoned from throughout the city state, injected with the seed of evil harvested from evils. And many of them go mad immediately. One in 10 that survive shows signs of physical rejection and those fail and the rare handful that live through the state that stage become witches, but they still have that infection within them. So they will eventually evolve into an evil. Before that happens, they have to be killed. That is the true duty of the guardian of the witch to kill them before they can turn against us. So Fafner is sent out on an assassination mission, essentially, uh, he hesitates as he hears uh, Manasa talking with uh, Nata about how basically she hates being a witch uh, and how and why she actually kind of likes uh, uh, Fafner, which is like, you know, he just flat out said, like, hi, I'm your guardian. I hate witches. One day I'm going to make sure that there are no more witches in this state. But yeah, nice to meet you. <laughs> And Manas is like, you know, he thinks the same way that I do. I don't I hate witches. I hate them more than anything. And, you know, I this is a collar that is being used to restrain me. And I'm just a tool that is being used by these people. So I hate this existence. So I when I around Fafner, you know, I think to myself, I feel like I'm a normal girl and it's nice. So Fafner hesitates at this moment. So the rector is watching everything. and He's like, this is taking too long. Other assassins kill her. <laughs> and of course, Fafner ends up fighting them off instead of, of killing Manafsa. And we get to see his style of fighting, which is to use both his sword and his scabbard as a different sort of dual wielding uh, form. And he declares to Manafsa that he has made up his mind on what they're going to do. He says, I'm going to kill witches. I'm going to stand out even the very idea of witches. And I resign for being guardian of the witch from, from now on, I will be your guardian, the guardian of Manafsa instead. So he fights off the assassins and, uh, he, they basically say like, I don't want anyone to have to grease, be because of magic again. 
knocks out the guards and then he's like, all right, Manasa, I'm going to become a great guardian and then I'm going to find a way to turn you back into a human. You'll be a plain old normal, unmagical girl again. So come on, we're going outside. And the three of them, Fafner, Manasa and Nata head off together, running the fuck away. So I do quite like that. I, I do quite like this, uh, this premise. It's, you know, pretty straightforward. It's a, you know, fancy battle looking thing, but I like Fafner's, uh, character and the way that he looks at things so it was pretty good opening chapter i think i really like the ending narration uh and that's how it began from there we took the first steps on our long 18 week journey i don't think it's good i don't i'm not convinced i agree that this is going to last but i do like it mm-hmm. so let's move on to the other uh new fantasy series mashal uh we get introduced to our seemingly female lead in this chapter. It's the same girl that was in the big color spread of the, in the previous one. And I will say right off the bat, I like this chapter of Mashal a lot more than I liked the first one. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting on board with this. I hope that the good things happen from this. This is, you know, our, the kind of thing that you would expect from a series like this, where they set out magical tasks in front of Mash for him to accomplish. And of course he's got no magic to do them with. So he finds, a comedic way to solve them instead. So he has to take a written test where the words are writhing around the page and you're supposed to be able to cast magic on the pages in order to actually be able to read the questions and answer them. So some of the students are panicking and they're like, Oh no, this isn't going to work. And, uh, mashes. Oh, it's, uh, the wizard from the first chapter that made the proposal to mash and also his father are hiding and watching what's going on. And I like how they're just dressed in black bodysuits while carrying some like bushes in their hands. Like we are a bush, you know, <laughs> and they see that him taking this test is like, well, this is never going to work. Why? I think that this would work, <laughs> but Mash just looks at the page and he's like, would you kindly stop moving? Nothing happens. So he's like, crushes the pen in his hand, kindly stop moving. And the words are like, snap straight. (laughs) So yeah, he scares the words into being legible. And yeah, we get a little montage of him solving problems like make this rock levitate, sticks his thumb in the rock and lifts it up. Oh my gosh, he can, he can run on water, all this kind of stuff. So it gets to the next test and they've got to go through this giant maze while making their way through traps as well. And they have 30 minutes to reach the goal. Um, so Mash sets off, but he is stopped by this young girl, Lemon Irvine. That's an odd one. So she acts all timid and uh, says, like, oh, I thought we could work more efficiently if we work together. Uh, So they start heading off and she immediately just kind of proves to be a burden. She's like tripping over her own feet. She's getting scared by everything and and MASH has to save her. And a very short montage happens as MASH keeps on having to save her. Eventually he's like, this is definitely not more efficient. Um, And uh, so he's like, I've got I've got to hurry in order to reach the end. And he just kind of starts to leave her behind. And Lemon summons magical cuffs to stop him. And she's like, like, I'm, I'm sorry, but I've been instructed to stop you from getting to the goal. I, you know, I've got a very personal reason for doing it. And Mash is like, what's the reason? I said it was personal. Don't ask. All right. So she so she's like, it's no use. No human can break those bonds. And Mash breaks the bonds. <laughs> to which she says, holy cats. 
Okay. Um, Mash leaves her behind. Uh, Lemon starts to set after her, set after him rather, but a Sphinx approaches her. It, it's the, a Sphinx. The Sphinx works out. It's a Sphinx, but it's like the Sphinx in Egypt, the pyramid. But, you know, it's asking her the typical Sphinx's riddle, you know, what, what has four legs in the morning, two in the afternoon, three at night. And Lemon's like, uh... Um, she tries to use her magic, but it immediately strikes her wand away and is like, answer my riddle. And Lemon collapses and she is very, very nervous and she can't concentrate because she's so scared. Uh, so the Sphinx prepares to strike her and she thinks to herself, this is her punishment for tricking people. Uh, and she apologizes to Mash in her mind. Uh, but before this, the blow is struck, Mash appears and says, what are you? Sounds made up if you ask me. She <laughs> just punches in the head and it goes down. <laughs> it is like a great moment. Like, I don't know why, but the joke works so well. Of just like, what am I? It's like, what are you? This sounds made up. Who? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so Lemon's like, why'd you come back for me? And Mash says, well, it occurred to me that your personal reason might be like mine, so I felt bad for you. But Lemon says, well, but now neither of us are going to make it in time. But Mash says, well, how do you think I got back here so fast? And we cut over to the instructor who's like, between the traps and the sphinx and the student I sent to slow him down, there's no way even he can succeed. And there's this rumbling noise. And like, what is that? And the walls are breaking down as Mash just walks through them, <laughs> leading Lemon ahead. And there is seemingly some sort of head wizard. He looks like Dumbledore. Let's just say it straight up. He's just like, oh, what a curious old man. So, yeah, I really liked this chapter. Um, I This actually got me behind this, you know, comedic uh, muscle wizard uh, premise more than the first one did. So yeah. I'm hoping that things keep on going, you know, coming up with uh, that. There are more, you know, fun jokes and stuff that happen from this because I'm I'm quite liking it so far. Yeah, I legitimately really enjoy this series. It's been super fun. Uh, Mission Yozakura Family. Mission 22, the Kuroyuri Party. Uh, Tayo goes undercover as a cute secretary girl. Okay. Um, there is an Elton John politician. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's probably the most accurate way to describe him. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't have a lot to say about this chapter. I liked it more than the previous two chapters, at least. Um, but basically, is Tayo's mission is that, you know, this politician's apparently been having no assassination and bribery and stuff going on. And he's got these three triplets who are top ranking spies for political maneuvering. And so they're trying to actually um, find out what exactly he's been doing. Uh, but Tayo ends up joining the political party as the undercover like this. He can't f actually find any evidence to tie them to the crimes that they've been committing. But eventually he realizes that their weird dancing that they do all the time is actually them communicating with each other because they're tapping their feet in Morse code, which you would think would be incredibly obvious because it's not as though that's there's no rhythm to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like tap, 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 like, mm. like it should not have taken him days of undercover work to figure this out. It should have taken him minutes. Uh, but he figures out what they're planning to do, uh, that they're going to set a bomb off in order to kill some people. 
Tayo manages to dispose of the bomb. But, oh, wouldn't you know it, Kuro Yuri actually knew who Tayo was the whole time. And he holds a gun up to Tayo's head and is like, too bad, there was one more bomb. Will you dance in the palm of my hand? And he shoots Tayo in the head and hits the trigger and boom, the building blows up. Oh, what's going to happen? It was okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, look, I think it, if this had been the chapter to follow up the one where we first met Ao and Tayo had his big loss. Yes. This would have been a much more effective follow up because it would have, like, look. I think we're going to all know that we're going to open up the next chapter and Tayo. Be fine. Yeah, yeah, like they. Not only was he fine, he knew that there was a second bomb and and got it out or something like that. So it would have been nice to have like set up a follow up chapter out and it's like, oh no, Tayo failed again. And it's like, oh wait, no, he actually succeeded. And maybe losing that has put more effort into him to do better. So I, I feel like if it had gone there, it would have been more effective. But as it is here, I'm like, okay but I, I'm still just not like ready to jump back into the series. It would have been a more satisfying narrative for there to have been a little scene in this where they were like, you know, after you were embarrassed, the family, you know, this is like your last chance for you to really prove yourself. And then it seems like he fails, but then instead he actually succeeds in a really clever way. In the next chapter. Mm-hmm. And then you can go back and they'd be like, all right, you did a good job this time. And, and then you could have Suo show up and be like, I've got some sort of thing I want you to do um, because he proved himself in a way that got them a lot of attention, for example, for example. <clears throat> Samurai eight chapter 36 Hanaichi and Goku. Oh my God. So Furumiyo God showed up in the previous chapter. Uh, in this one, the progress bar is at hundred percent download complete. And Dharma's like, that should have taken over three weeks. Perhaps Furumyo intervened and made the download happen way faster. <laughs> Lots of bullshit happens involving Hachimaru's inner space. There are stars in his consciousness that represent different things. So the different stars represent people and they revolve around your star, Hachimaru. So Hachimaru, you know, there's, there's a little moment where he grabs his dad's star and is like, and so Dharma's like, yes, you're. Memories of your father will never fade. You will remain here as a star. It's legitimately a sweet moment. I like the initial visual of like, hey, you're a star and all these other stars revolve around you and their light stays Mm. inside of you even after the person's gone. So your memories will always stay there. Now touch this. Now for that shit. See your upgrade tree. (laughs) Check out the fucking path that you've got to go on for the next half of the chapter. Oh, my God. There's so much. I cannot stress, this is 100% the exact chapter you should never do in a Shonen Battle series. This is so boring. I don't know how Kishimoto... He's he's a very talented author. I don't know how he would realize he's at the back of a magazine. So sales are not doing well. The series is not popular. He's like, I know how I'll turn this around. An entire chapter devoted to a power scale with a bunch of exposition, no action whatsoever, and a clear realization that our main character is pathetically weak at this point. Hey, Chris, do you know how to learn how to do something? Well, you see, every technique that you could possibly use has a certain number of statistical thresholds that you have to meet. (laughs) Jesus Christ, this was so stupid. Like, and it shows up like it's, you know, 
like a power menu in, in a video game where it's like, you know, you could use this technique if you've got this, these mana requirements and bullshit. So stupid. There's an, there's a technique also that requires infinite stats and everything, which makes no goddamn sense. Uh, and then we get to the actual important thing. Finally, that happens in this chapter. So a hot is like, all right, Hey, you know, we can use this. To, so Dharma's like, we should be looking for your box companions here before worrying about techniques. Good thing we looked at your techniques for like five pages prior to this. Uh, so Hachimaru's like, all right, well, we need a map of the others. And Dharma says, well, this inner space overlaps with the outer space around us. So switch from the status screen to the map screen. And so look, there's beams of light that connect you to the lines that where you will find your companions. And Hachimaru realizes, wait a minute, there's one right next to me. What does that mean? So cut away it's, to it's also, I guess, worth noting. There's only six targets on his map. So maybe that's meant to play into it somewhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or Kishima was like, I thought there I would be draw that extra line. I there would be more lines. <laughs> anyway, uh, Ichigo is talking with the dog guy and Goku. And uh, they're like, you will be the strongest samurai in the galaxy. And Ichigo's like, but I'm a girl. Well, you cannot judge a person by appearances. Your power is special. And you have a powerful gravity. And you have a mind's eye. Also, I have a monkey working for me. <laughs> Did I mention that? There he is, an ape. He does not blink, and he will <laughs> stare at you while you go to the bathroom. I don't believe it's sexual, but I'm not certain. <laughs> you knew your planet would be destroyed and that you would be separated from your mother. That is how you can be so calm at this moment. Ichigo's like, I'm not calm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nine. I'm very upset about my entire world being destroyed. I would like for you to help us. Wires in your head. <laughs> <laughs> what a phenomenal gravity I sense. There, two of them already together. I have the coordinates. We're going there. Boom. So Hachimaru wakes up and he's like, oh, my God. Summons the projector from his from it from his head. Ryu, you're one of the box keys. Yeah, huh, so I am. <laughs> okay. This screams because then we find because then, of course, since dog head guy is approaching them, cat head guy, whatever, is approaching them and goes with Goku over to um, Hachimaru and company. Uh, this means that suddenly three of the box keys are in one place. After we spend an entire arc not getting a box key that they thought was a box key. Something tells me this plot point was supposed to take much longer to unfold. Because can... Ryu, you're a box key! <laughs> well, here's the thing. I can actually understand this. So, Ryu and uh, what, Sanda? Sansa? I can't remember what his real name is. Sanda, yes. Sanda. Both were introduced. Uh, we didn't really get the idea that Sanda was supposed to be like a samurai, and then eventually we got that. I mean, it seemed pretty obvious that one of the two of them was meant to be a pretty significant character to it. So right. I was like, all right, this is pretty good likely at least one of these two is a samurai key holder. 
So if you consider that whole arc being an introduction to them, we did kind of get one in there. We just didn't realize it. And then with the start of this new arc, it's another way to kind of do it. Now, who knows if that's still the way this was all always naturally going to unfold. I, I mean, the series spent, what, like seven, eight pages of this chapter alone just talking about like, hey, Hachimaru, your future fucking techniques are going to be super dope. So, I mean, if this is a series that is being told like, hey, you're going to be canceled soon, it certainly doesn't feel like it. So maybe this was just kind of the pacing it was intended. I mean, it's kind of actually an exciting ending when it's like, boom, hey, uh, this other group has shown up and they're going to fucking like they're they're calling on to you. And hey, three of the key holders are in the same place. Yeah. Is it going to be a fight or are they going to work together? What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I was just blown away when I read this of like, you're a box key, Ryu. It just comes out of nowhere. So whatever let's move on undead unluck what do you negate so there's a fight kinda in this like, chapter kind of like the old uh, pokemon like, what kind of pokemon, pokemon are, you? are you what yeah. kind of sexual harassment do you commit <laughs> <laughs> so there's a fight that happens in this chapter it's pretty cool uh-huh. uh andy uses his regeneration to fire up like his fingers like bullets which is pretty cool after figuring out the thing that the big guy negates, which is basically negating movement. Hanako shows up because he can't beat the other guy because he can't figure out how his negation ability works. She tries to rogue him, you know, by like, take my glove off, grab you so that you, you know, get my touchy danger power. But uh, she unsuccessfully sneak attacks him. So, uh, and he's trying to figure out what to do about it. Uh, there is a, a thing where he basically, you know, says like, well, here's what I can do. Since I've killed that guy, she could take a spot in your group and not die. And since I'm, you know, immortal, then I'll just, you know, put up with whatever you want to do with me. I'll be a lab rat or whatever. And then I'll eventually break out and I'll fuck you. Um, but she doesn't want that to happen. So she starts taking her clothes off and she's like, let's do this. So that way I can give you enough unluck so that you can die. I'm sorry I can't do more to repay you. And so the guy's like, here's what I'll do. Let's have you kill another one of our members. And if you do that, I'll put in a good word for both of you. So that way I won't have to break. You know, you guys won't have to be split up. Uh, And he tells them that there will be someone showing up in Russia. And so Andy's like, "Okay, we'll go there and kill him. So. I would probably actually like this series if not for the incredibly immature way it handles sex and the topic of sex. It's just like a joke and it's not good. Like at least whenever hero or whoever else utilizes sex in the series, it's something that's like, okay, this is meant to be like, titillating you know there's something you're supposed to get out of it as opposed to this which is just like sex and that's just kind of the joke and that's not funny uh so i i kind of i'm intrigued by this series 
And for the most part, I kind of dug this chapter to a certain extent. I was kind of annoyed that, I mean, look, if you don't like the fact that she's very Sunday for this guy. She uh, is very. You're not going to like it. But I, I do like at this moment, she's like, okay, we killed one of the members of this group. So one of us gets a spot. You're just going to give it to me. So, I mean, instead of letting you be a rab like a lab rat the rest of your life, I'm going to try to give you that unluck that'll kill you. And then he's like, he's kind of angry about it. I was kind of annoyed, though, that he's actively angry, though, where he's actually like throws his clothes back on her. And he's like, hey, I ain't going to be rotten enough to bang a chick just because she's desperate. Don't ever pull a stunt like that again. And she's like, oh, it won't happen, sir. And I'm like, I don't know if that's the right tone to take with that exchange. It maybe should have been a more kind of you could present it more nobly where he's like, hey, I don't want it if it's going to be like that. And you should. You should take more care of yourself or something like that, as opposed to like the guy. Don't you like, do, don't you do that? Yeah, the guy like, being like, "Hey, how don't, you're supposed don't to be act. a slut." Yeah, like something like that. Uh, but that said, Nick, we finished three chapters of Undead Unluck. Are yes, we're we going did. to add it to the recap. I would prefer not to. I kind of. I just to. don't have. I just don't really have anything to say about it. You know. I kind of want to. Oh no! Nick activated his internet. And now it's—he's <laughs> ignoring me. No, I'm just—I'm just kind of staring. Okay. Know? I mean, if you really don't want to, you don't have to. You do have that one in the hall if you really want to use it. Yeah. No. 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 He wants to no. defer more. This. I'm going to be very patient on this. Mm. And you're you're going to hold on. You're going to know gonna... when it's coming. <laughs> You're going to be patient on this. You're going to wait to get that pizza. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll get it. No, all right. So that, that's it. We're not going to be talking about Undead Unluck anymore in the magazine. Right. Now let's talk about Zipman. Zip, zip. Versus Evil Spirit Master. This is a short little battle that I really liked. Um, there is a guy who acts nervous at first as, uh, Kagami and Koshiro, uh, head into the next stage. They apparently have to defeat basically two more bosses before they reach the top four in order to face the final boss in order to save China. Uh, they are attacked by this monster thing. Like it's almost like this stitched together doll of this huge demon. And at various points in its body, you see the heads of, uh, Kagami's classmates sticking out uh, basically, this is the power of the person that they're actually fighting against, who is this kind of nervous looking uh, small person uh, who's like, hey, I'm the evil spirit master and these are my evil spirits. Well, none of us are that strong, including me. So uh, I put an exploding collar on them. If you hit these guys too hard, it'll explode and probably kill them. So don't attack them. And meanwhile, he's sending these, you know, monster suit things after them to attack uh, Zipman knocking him around. So he's like, see, there's two choices. You know, you can, you know, uh, kill them and keep going, or you can give up on rescuing the princess. There's only two choices. And there's suddenly this big full page spread of him turning to this like ectoplasm monster looming over uh, Zitman and being like, can you choose between the two? So Kagami's like, oh, I get it. Uh, 
And the guy's like, and the evil spirit master's like, you can't possibly be able to choose. So what are you going to do? You'll just have to play with my evil spirits until you die or give up. And and Kami's like, it's just as you said. He throws this huge lance looking thing, which almost looks like it goes through the spirit master's head at first. But it turns out it was like just next to him. And so he's like, choose between the two. There's no way I'm doing that. And he's got all these like spikes set up to throw as weapons. So evil spirit master starts running away. And uh, he's like, this isn't what I was told about how he would act. He's going to kill me. And uh, Koshiro starts communicating to Kagami. He's like, he's running at 37 miles per hour. Wind direction, 72 degrees. Factor calculations complete. Fire! They throw one final lance and it goes and it seems to, again, impale the evil spirit master. But it turns out it actually went straight through the zipper on the front of the costume and ripped it right out. Perfect hit. And uh, Kagami just says that zipper is not even worth taking. And they've won the second battle and are moving on. Flamehead guy is watching this on a video monitor. There is a kind of humanoid dog looking uh, one next to him who says, I found his weakness. It was a cool little chapter. Every week, I feel as though there's a secret chapter of Zipman that I was supposed to have read. <laughs> because... When was taking zippers established to be a concept? I know they use the they they unzip people to beat them, but they specifically refer to it as like, I don't even want to take your zipper. I'm like, so are zippers power sources? Like they use they well, the first zipper that got ripped off in the first chapter showed up in the next chapter, and they attached it onto the arm. And that was how they summoned the huge rocket fist thing in the fight against the magical girl zipper. It's just uh, such a weird concept to not have more people like we're like if that's supposed to be a basis of the series, I just kind of not paying enough attention. But like I really read this chapter. I was like, do they take zippers? Is that a thing they really do? Because it doesn't like it's not as though like after they beat the last chick, they were like, I'm going to take your 3D printer zipper because that's <laughs> really useful. Maybe that's what they used in this one because they're throwing the lances and stuff. Well, then they Maybe just that's... grab it. Isn't like a giant coliseum, so there's a bunch of stuff like around. Maybe. Oh. I don't know. It is a little far, hard to follow at points, but yeah. Like I guess this this series has a lot of the stylings of a Saturday morning cartoon. Yes. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just missing the part where it feels like it should be made more obvious. Like maybe there needs to be a scene where it's like <clears throat> activate fucking 3d printer power later. You, you need to have the transformation like sequence that. in every chapter. Yeah. Or, or just something to establish that that's what they're doing. Cause I, I've missed that. That's what they do is they gather zippers to use them afterwards. Mm. Well, Chris, maybe they'll learn someday. One day. Hmm. But we, nev we never learned today, though, Nick. <laughs> Question 145. The ephemeral mermaid sprinkles into the promised pizza bet part four. So the uh, little vacation trip is over, and Uega is kind of just comatose in his house right now. He's, he's kind of has a very vacant expression. So he has not found his answer quite yet. Uh his mom's like, hey, you know, you've been kind of spacing out since you got your exam results. And he's like, oh, well, 
And his sister's like, oh, yeah, yeah, tomorrow's your graduation. And then next week I graduate junior high. So, you know, it's kind of sad. I get it. We'll, we'll make you a bunch of good food and everything like that. And he's like, okay. Uh, he decides to go out for a walk. His mom's like, hey, bring an umbrella. And he's walking around. And he sees his two friends, the uh, the ones who I'm never going to remember. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I know their names at some point. But anyway, they're like, hey, you kind of seem like you're in trouble or something like that. And the, the, the one guy's like, oh, did someone declare their love for you or something? And he immediately like blushes and turns away. And the guy who said it is just like, ha, 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 like that would happen. And the other guy's like. Holy shit, was it Takamoto? <laughs> he doesn't say it out loud. It's been years. He definitely <laughs> is like, hey. Uh, and his friend's like, hey, you know what? If, if something's bothering you, man, you know, we're here for you. And, you know, the two of them are like kind of stunned. He's like, what? Did I say something weird? Isn't it normal that when a friend's got a problem, you kind of stand up for that? And Yuiga's uh, like, you know what? On, or I guess it's actually the other friend's like, you know what? On rare occasions, you're a pretty nice guy. He's like, fuck you. I'm always a nice guy. <laughs> I do love that. And you wake like, I'm always nice. <laughs> I mean, his only character defining chapter was that he goes to restaurants to Instagram food, basically. So, I mean, it's not as though we have enough character details to know if he's lying or not. Uh, Uega basically says like, hey guys, thanks, but this is something I kind of have to work on on my own, so I'm going to come up with my own answer. Keeps walking, notices the rain's coming down, he's waiting at the bus stop, and he's like, oh, I'm getting kind of deja vu. And he thinks back to, you know, he, he goes on this bus trip, goes to his father's grave, and is starting to explain like, oh, hey, you know, I got into this. You know, I got into university, and uh, Mizuki's. she's going to be starting high school in well, with an athletic sponsorship, and then the twins are doing well, and mom's doing good, and basically, like, saying, like, hey, catching up, and then he, he mentions, like, hey, dad, so a girl I know told me she had feelings for me, and I've been trying to rack my brain, I just can't seem to sort through my feelings on it, so I don't really want to think about it, but I guess I have to re-examine what's happened and who I was back then. So we, we go into a flashback at Uwego when he's in middle school. And we can hear a bunch of people bullying him, basically. Saying like, oh, it's that nerdy boy. He studies all the time. But he's still really bad at getting scores. Yeah, what's even the point of doing it? And we see Uwego with these big, heavy eyes. And it's very recently after his father has passed. Uh, and we see Uwego with all this kind of weight on him. He comes home, he sees his mom crying with the two very young twins kind of uh, on her. And then he gets welcomed home by uh, Mizumi and, or Mizuki, and she's kind of sad too. And Yuiga's like, did, did you stay home from school again? She's like, yeah, because if I go to school, I feel like the kids are going to pick on me about dad again. And I hate school. I don't like anything about it. So I wanted to stay with you. And Yuiga puts on a smile and he's like i have to be strong i have to support my family i'm the oldest everything kind of falls on me we cut over to this flashback uh Uega standing in the rain with aruka that we we saw like a hint of earlier and he's thinking like ah, i failed another quiz I, i've got to at least do well in school and he notices that aruka's music's really loud and uh she doesn't see, really seem to notice it and she's like, oh, my God, was I singing out loud? I'm so sorry. How embarrassing. And he's like, eh, don't worry about it because he's, he's in a pretty low spot. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he thinks he's like, oh, right. Uh, this girl's in my class. Uh, we talked a little bit in swim class the other day. She's a swimming prodigy. She's won a bunch of things. You know what? She she just lives in a different world than me. They get on the bus. They're the only two people on there. Yubega's just beating himself up over the fact that he's he's just a bad student. Everything he's trying to do means nothing, and he kind of just fades away. He's like, I don't even care anymore. What's the point? No matter how hard I try, it's just not going to work. I wonder what will happen if I just ride to the last stop. And he does. He rides all the way to the last stop, which is the beach. And he gets off. And then Aruka gets off after him. And he's like, why did you come all the way out here? And she's like, well, we haven't really talked much, but you look like you were going to faint. So I was worried. So they run out to the beach. Uh, Aruka is kind of like be, you know, being chipper, full of energy. Uega is obviously the opposite. Uh, there's a bit of a weird joke. Uh, and then... Yuruka's like, hey, what's it going to take to make you laugh? And Yuega just has a stunned expression. She says, you know, you always look so serious. What if you tried letting yourself smile more? And he says, well, I can't just do that, thinking to Mizuki, you know. She needs somebody else. And she's sad. And he's like, well, maybe if my little sister could be happy at school. And Yuruka's like, oh, got it. Let's go. He's like, go where? And she's like, duh, we're going to make you smile, obviously. And that's a chapter. So it seems we're going to uh, get more insight into why Mizuki looks up to Uruka so much uh, from this. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, it seems like it's been actually a really long time coming, actually establishing that, oh, yeah, Uruka was around while Yuiga was like depressed when his dad died and she played a role in that. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing where what happened here. Yeah. So. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, 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 come on. I mean, like, legitimately, she has to win, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're on the, you're on this now. Like, come on, she's <laughs> the best girl. It's not even close. I actually had kind of a a different reaction uh, in terms of that aspect of, to this, which was. Even if she's not the romantic interest, I do see like the direction this is going in terms of just establishing how important Uruka is to Yuiga in terms of the bond between them and their friendship. So I was kind of actually really assured from this of like, okay, even if it's not like, okay, yeah, Yuiga loves her bag and they're going to have babies together. It's like they do care a lot about each other. And I'm glad for that. So let's go to Dr. Stone. Time to get stoned. Z equals 137, last man standing. The drone tangles up the Medusa, but of course it comes down to what they uh, were talking about at the start of this before the plan went into action. They've got to have a freaking tug of war now, and Ibarra may be one person, and they and they may have both Rusui and Senku, but uh, Ibarra is fucking jacked, <laughs> and he's also unnaturally large for a human being. So they're not doing so well. So the plan that Senku has is instead of actually winning the tug of war battle, which they can't really do, uh, it's for them to let go at the last moment because, oh yeah, Ibarra triggered the uh, Medusa to go off for for five meters in five seconds. So they just kind of have it snap back towards him at that exact moment. But Ibarra has seen through this plan because it's like, I know exactly what is going to happen here. Because, you know, I've cal- I'll allow this calculated farce to play out. But this old man is always cautious. 
I know exactly what they're going to do. And sure enough, they let the drone and the Medusa snap back. And Tsuku's like, I'm never off. Not when it comes to counting. And the Medusa clicks and Ibarra's hat smashes into the drone and knocks it away from him. And the Medusa goes off in between them instead. Because he's like, I know exact. I knew what you were going to do. I, I know how this Medusa works. I've practiced with it. I can eyeball its range very well, and I have practiced against having it used against me, too. But unexpectedly, Ryusui's statue comes flying in towards him and uh, knocks him into the ground or almost knocks him into the ground. But he manages to just get out of the way. And and I was like, you fool, you know, you can't you can't overcome the Medusa with brute force. And now the Medusa's come back to me. This was always inevitable. Goodbye. This time for real. The last man standing is this old man. And he holds up the Medusa and it's got the earring uh, attached to it. And Senku says into the phone, five meters, one second. And Senku, after he says, you were totally right. Guys who think they're clever are the easiest to trap. The Medusa goes off in Ibarra's hand. It petrifies him. So... Seemingly, the remote uh, voice thing was not the problem before. It was just the voice has to be like literally right next to the Medusa to trigger it. Uh, so you can't just shout at it, basically. But he borrows petrified. Uh, Senku has won the battle of wits and the battle between the kingdom of science and the kingdom of petrification is seemingly completely over at this point. Uh, Senku is the last man standing. He celebrates briefly. We get the little thing that pops up that says petrification device acquired. Um, but he looks around and, of course, you know, the entire island is empty, save for Senku and a bunch of statues. And he fl- flashes back to, you know, being completely alone at the very start of the series. He thinks I'm alone again. But Ruri's voice comes over the cell phone uh, asking if he is faring well. Apparently, the cell phones get really damn good reception. Uh, and, uh, so we get, you know, a short scene of Ruri along with Tsukasa's sister and, uh, the reporter girl and the other people who remain behind at Ishigami village talking to him. And Senku says, this time I'm not alone. So that's a cool little, little sentiment there. Uh, neat little chapter. I liked the back and forth and the constant, you know, uh, one-upsmanship in the game of wits that happened between Senku and Ibarra over the last few chapters. It was a cool way to end this uh, this whole arc. So, oh, it's a great chapter. This is this is just a fucking phenomenal chapter. It's such a great ending of fucking Ryusuke leaping into the blast so he could hook that mm-hmm. ring onto it as like a one last ditch move. And it's such a great moment when you see Ibarra celebrate. He holds up the ring. And it's great because they don't immediately try. Like you still get like half a page to really digest it, and immediately like five meters, one second. You're like, finally! It's such a satisfied moment, man. It's it's great. This is what Nagaki does does better than maybe any other writer in Jump. And of course, there's that immediate turnabout where you know Ibarra's like, oh, you thought you was gonna you know, snap back to me and petrify me, but the ones who think they're so clever are the easiest ones to trick. Ah, and then Senku immediately turns around on him. It's really yeah. satisfying. I like the ending. It was very sweet. Yeah. Chainsaw Man. Chapter 56, a curse and a first. It's almost a rhyme. There's more wackiness between Denji and Power and um, the douchebag bodyguard guy. Because, like, 
Powers refusing to eat the vegetables on her hamburger when they're at a burger place. And he's like, a well-balanced diet is essential. Eat it. And I like how this time Aki is like, yeah, you pick them out a lot, home. You should eat them. <laughs> and, and literally everyone around there is just like, eat your fucking vegetables. It's good for you. <laughs> Eventually, Denji's just like, try them. <laughs> um, They end up... uh leaving the master student assassin actually uh, actually show up while they're in the middle of their meal and uh the woman tells her student that she managed to stab him uh, with a curse devil and she says stab someone with this four times you take their life but you pay a great price i've already stabbed the target three times undetected so i will entrust the fourth and final time to you toka this is my test for you and if you pass, I will introduce you to the devils I have contracts with. But she starts to have a burger and the hamburger falls out of her hands. And she says, oh, I, I guess I lost sensation in several of my fingers in order to make the contract there. So I wonder if I can still taste it. No, no, it's a good burger. Well, if you're at a if you're at a McDonald's and maybe you don't have your sense of taste. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, but I, the, the, these are definitely a much more interesting group of characters than the ones who seem like they're going to be the focus first. The uh, ones who have disguised themselves as agents. But anyway, um, we also see the um, what's his what's his title? The violence, slaughter, demon. violence, de- violence, demon. Uh, violence devil, rather. Yeah. And uh, Co- Co- Kobani uh, are, um, I guess, have just finished up killing an eyeball devil thing and they're like oh okay what do we report this as and he's like um grapes anyway let's take a break after we hand over this devil and they're like yeah yay oh ice cream oh thank you for always treating me to ice cream and, she's, and the violence was like oh yeah eat up i can't eat because of this mask so i want to enjoy it vicariously through you oh okay and she enjoys the ice cream and uh, they talk a bit and she talks about you know the last time she got to enjoy soft serve ice cream and she's like you know, for a violence themed, you don't seem very violent. And he's like, I know. <laughs> they still t- they tell me I still have a lot of my human brain left, which is rare for fiends. I remember the school I went to when I was a human. I remember my favorite place for cheap eats, stuff like that. But I don't remember how I died. All I remember is that Makima saved me. But yeah, I'm not a fan of violence. I'm all about love and peace. And um, either I managed to hold up my hand in a really weird way. Or I've managed to turn one of my hands backwards for this one panel. It's kind of hard to tell. The word bubble's in the way. Anyway. One of the brothers comes running up to them saying, Tendo and Subaru were taken out on our way here. You've got to tell headquarters. And they reacted shock at first. And they're like, who the hell are you? And he's like, my buddy and master were killed. Find a phone. So they they run off. Uh, to find a phone and he's just like idiots they don't believe they shouldn't have believed me before i flashed a public safety badge uh then we cut over to denji and power again um denji realizes wait a minute these guys aren't to protect me they're using me as bait and he's like yep (laughs) Uh, but he points out like you know you guys are harder to kill than us humans so don't hold it against me this is Remember, this is so we can go to Enoshima as soon as possible. And then she's like, all right, then I can let it go. And Power's like, no, wait, this is a bad deal for me. I hate this. And so Aki's like, all right, Power, then what do you want? And Power's like, I want to suck out all of a human's blood until they die. And Aki's like, 
Okay, Denji, when the sacrifice is done, let her suck out your butt until you die. And then he's like, no! And Power's like, I get to suck Denji's blood? Yes! That's the end of the chapter. <laughs> it's a very fun little chapter. There's a lot of sweet little moments in this, unexpectedly. Uh, I do like the establishment that there seems to be a friendship forming between the violence devil and, and uh, Kabeni because the more that, you know, characters care about each other, the more you care about them in general. So, all right, let's real quick run through seven deadly sins. Chapter three forty. I miss you. So, uh, the seven deadly sins were teleported back to, I believe Leonis and basically they're just like, huh, what's really crazy. What happened? Uh, you know, Melodius seems confident, like, hey, you know, I bet she still smiles as we speak. We cut over to Merlin, and she's hanging out with Arthur, and we see his sword, which is perpetually having, like, bats and angels fly into it. She's like, ah, is this is its original form, or is there signs that it still has room to change? If if that's the case, Martha, or, you know, maybe his magic's not fully formed in that case. This is going to be very interesting. She has a real smile on her face, and Arthur's like, ah, it's been a while since I've seen that. That's the Merlin I always know. Uh, they go on to explain, like, hey, you're in this castle, it's kind of bare, but you know what? It, it just shows your power. Uh, there's a whole bunch here to really talk about, mm-hmm. but it, it, we don't have a ton of time. Uh, the one thing to note is that Arthur seems very confident he can use his power for good. And as mm-hmm. he says that, the bats that were flying into his sword disappear, leaving just the angel wings. So is that a mm-hmm. good omen or an evil omen? Mm-hmm. Uh, the seven deadly sins are pretty dejected. Uh, like they're they're upset. Like, hey, you know, this really feels final. Uh, Bond is like, you know, everything has to end. I mean, we already lost Escanor. So, yeah. Um, Could this be the true end of the seven deadly sins? Yeah, and it's like, no, we we have to get involved with this. Chaos isn't gone yet. Uh, Arthur doesn't have full control over it, and if he loses control, we've seen what would happen. So we have to understand what's going on, and. Uh, uh, Diane just thinks to herself or says out loud, kind of like, why did Merlin stay quiet about chaos all this time? Why did she only tell us about it now? And Lois like, good question. We're just going to have to ask her and find out. And Goth is like, do you not know the answer to that? And that's where we kind of cut away from there. Uh, the Kate Sith is back. It's a larger cat now. It says it's he's a- going to eat them. And Merlin's like, I'm going to fight you. And that's where we end the chapter. It's a really cool uh, shot when it, when uh, it shows up. Because, you know, it actually is like on top of the tower that they're staying in and he's, you know, leaning down in order to look inside of it. So you get a this big wide shot of how big he is. So. All right. Uh, let's move on. There's then. no there's no Promise Neverland this week. So no Black Promise Clover, Neverland. Yeah. yeah. Black Clover page 238. Zeno's power. Uh, Zeno is really powerful. <laughs> very powerful. Uh, uh the fuck what's this you know god damn you know <laughs> kind of seems to have a memory of the fact that he's seen this guy before and he's like oh you you're uh and Zeno's like oh they sucked like the other two guys i brought are dead already well i guess that's what's happened when you bring anyone that's under 50 percent. i won't do that again uh self is like hey we got to get out of here get out of here now and then he just starts immediately launching, I believe, like giant bone missiles. It's kind of tough to tell because there's not much separating the speed lines from the actual projectiles. But a bunch of bones are flying everywhere. Uh, they know, like, hey, there's not really space to evade. What are we going to do? And uh, after the attack's done, 
Yuno's okay, but Klaus and uh, Compass Girl, <laughs> they're 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 dead. They they've been impaled every which way. Uh, Yuno gets really upset. He screams, "You bastard!" Runs at him with his sword, tries to cut it. And he's like, "Why isn't it cutting it?" And he realizes that Zeno is literally just regenerating faster than the erosion of the sword could take place. And Zeno's like, ah, state zero. If that's the case, then I'll show you a little of my devil's power. Eight or 55%. And we see this giant visage of a devil. And he says, you aren't weak. I'm simply far stronger. And uh, we see I Marcus, I think was his name. The the Spade Kingdom guy who, who revealed uh, Yudo's past shows up. And comes upon a site. The Golden Dawn headquarters has been destroyed. And you know is atop a rock with a blade through his chest as Sylph is crying into him. So maybe you know is dead. It's a cool little touch that Sylph is there, you know, crying over him like that. Um, this is an all right, Chapter. I do really like the visual of, you know, the devil because he's in, you know, a different world uh, that Zeno was attached to looming over them and you know completely eclipsing uh their size with its own uh and just you know how much Zeno outclasses you know at this point in time uh it's been a, a probably the most effective use of you know uh these past few chapters in black clover thus far because jesus christ he was boring up to this point yeah. <laughs> so i mean it's kind of a bummer if klaus is dead Mm-hmm. And the presumably compass girl, uh, maybe they'll run into somebody who has resurrection magic again, basically. Or maybe they're uh, just not dead, you know. Yeah, I mean, they could have survived. It doesn't seem like they could have from the visual there. But it does seem a shame to have killed off, I guess, like the only other person than Mimosa and Vengeance that we actually know in the guild. But it also sets up stakes. I mean... You do kind of want to see this guy die because I, I kind of like Klaus, you know? Hmm. Well, that's it. That was Black Clover. Uh-huh. One Piece, Chapter 970, Odin versus Kaido. It's Odin versus Kaido. Uh, Odin and the Yakuza and Nine all head off to try and stop Kaido, uh, who is looming over them all in his dragon form. And Kaido actually knew that they were coming, so he's prepared uh, you know, in his full dragon form and stuff, he's got his army behind him as well. And uh, Odin brings this up like, wasn't actually expecting you to be prepared. And uh, Kaido's just like, Perhaps I have a spy in your castle. I have just had my mansion built, I'd rather not have it be you know, blown up in our fight. So I came out to meet you instead. And of course, you know, they established like, Yeah, you know, everything that uh, Kaido had said before was a lie. Everything that you know, Odin was told about the, the condition that they were in, uh, and Kaido actually freely admits, you know, we were at a disadvantage then. After your return, if you had joined forces with Yogoro, we would have had to deal with all the samurai and yakuza of Wano together. We had fewer numbers then; it would it would have been a difficult battle, especially if you lived up to your fearsome reputation as a madman who would not blink at any sacrifice. Instead, you chose a method that would not hurt anyone. And you gain Roger were like that too. Mighty pirates, but soft in their way. And you are one of them, the fool who chose to dance. You have none of the old Kazuki dignity. So Odin draws a sword and he says, I stand by my decision that day. Let us speak of the future now. And they clash and a bunch of fighting. Of course, the Agasai and Nine are completely outnumbered, but they are 
it's far stronger than most of Kaido's forces. There's a nice touch in the middle of this where Yasuie is hanging out in Odin's house to make sure that his family remains protected. Um, but he warns Otoki, you know, we must be prepared for the worst because if Odin loses the battle, this country is lost. Uh, there are, you know, little things that happen like Shinobu joins the battle and they flash back to like, oh, hey, I remember that Shinobu when she was a little kid. Um, she says, like, I can no longer li- stay in the palace. So, OK, um, they all venture together into battle. There are little shots of like silhouettes of like, you know, queen joining in the battle and stuff. Uh, but the battle goes on and on as Odin's forces are stronger than Kaido was expecting. Uh, Kaido manage- gets cut in the neck, basically, uh, by Odin's technique. The huge X mark appears in its chest kind of area, which shocks everyone because Kaido was thought invincible. And Odin shouts out, you'll never come back to Wano as he comes after Kaido. But all of a sudden... Uh, one of Kaido's forces has Momonosuke in his grip and is holding a knife at his neck. And in this moment where Odin uh, is distracted by this, Kaido comes up from behind in his human form, clubs him over the back of the head. And of course, Momonosuke transforms back into the old hag with the uh, clone clone fruit. It was a trick to deceive Odin. Uh, all of these samurai are captured and chained up uh after being defeated, uh, they are imprisoned. Um, someone seemingly gets away. Is it, I guess it's Shinobu. It seems like she got away because we don't see her in, in the prison and we see someone who looks like her walking through the street. Um, Oh, she refused, I guess, specifically saying that she was not a vassal of, of Odin's. Okay. He did it in his typical Odin fashion, too. Like, you know, who the fuck are you? Be gone! You know, yeah. so. Saved her for God, goddamn life. Uh, there's a little, sad little scene where fucking Momonosuke says to Toki, like, when is father coming home? And Hiyori's like, I folded a paper balloon for him. Won't that be nice when he gets back? Uh, and the announcement is declared, saying that in the public square, three days from now, the ten wicked samurai are sentenced to be boiled to death. Done, done, done. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, I, I sorry, I, I got distracted. I was trying to see if the kid who, uh, the guy who hold, like tried to hold Bobadoske hostage, was uh, Jack. Don't recognize him. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's supposed to be anyone. I thought it might have been Jack, but Jack, I think, has sharp teeth. So it doesn't seem to be him. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a pretty effective chapter. It's nice scene to like, oh, they, they tricked him with his kid using yeah. the clone clone fruit again. Like it's, it's very like underhanded way to be yeah. right. like, it, it's very satisfying. Even, even with the overwhelming numbers, Odin could have beaten Kaido, mm-hmm. uh, if not for the fact that he was tricked one last time. Yeah. So, all right, World Trigger. World Trigger. Chapter 191, Yuba Squad Part 4. Uh, people react to stuff that happened at the end of the previous one with Obishima taking out uh, Kai. Um, they kind of analyze, They kind of, the commentators kind of break down what happened uh, and what could have happened and the decision that went into why Obishima did that. We get uh, 
Yuba chasing down uh, what's his face. I don't know his name. Uh, tries to g- go after him, but um, he nearly gets uh, taken out by Suji, who comes in and sneak attacks him. But uh, Yuba's able to knock him away. Now it's two on one on that front. Uh, they bring up the fact that despite the fact that it's two on one, that Yuba could very well still take both out because they're attackers and Yuba is known as the attacker killer uh, because basically he just always stays outside of the range of the Kogetsu whirlwind and just guns them down. And they also bring up that, oh, Ikoma's whirlwind is specifically meant to uh, counter that technique because, you know, he can launch it a further distance. So that's a cool detail. But, of course, you know, Ninomiya can fucking shoot everything and the building next to Yuba blows up as well. So it's kind of three on one at this point. Then we've got the fight between Yuma and Obishima. And this is fucking cool. Um, <laughs> so they're clashing relatively evenly, but Obishima ends up getting led into Mikamo's spider web. And so they've got a fight within that. Uh, Obishima tries to use some bullets uh, fanning out in order to catch Yuma on the defensive, uh, force him to use a shield to defend himself uh, and hopefully drive him back and get the advantage that way. But Yuma throws a scorpion, which twirls through the air like it's a shuriken and uh, Obishima manages to deflect it. But then Yuma summons a horde of grasshoppers within the spider web and just summons a globe of ricocheting panels that constantly reflect the shuriken scorpion over and over and over again until eventually there's an opening and Yuma comes in, lands behind Obishima and stabs her through the back with his sword. And Yuma promises you'll get stronger Obishima. I guarantee it. And Obishima is forced to bail out. So that leaves Yuba squad with just Yuba himself. Yumiya squad is at full strength. Tamakoma 2 is down to three members and they need two more points in order to win this thing or not win this thing, but in order to proceed uh, to getting selected. So it's coming down to the wire here and uh, also kind of approaching the worst case scenario for Tamakoma 2 of having to deal with all of Ninomiya squad at once. So yeah, it's we'll a rough spot. Goes. It's super exciting. Obishima looks super cool in this, so it's mm. nice to see that. I mean, it's super inventive to just Uega uh, summoning, or Yuma rather, summoning a shit ton of grasshoppers and throwing a shuriken into it so they can bounce off. <laughs> it's such a, like, a visually cool thing. It's like, fuck, man, I love this series. I, I also love them just spending time to be like, yes, Yuba stands outside of, Akoma, uh, of Kogetsu's range. And Akoma specifically create a technique to count. Like, it just makes the world feel actually more inventive and lively where it's like, oh, yeah, these are people who are trained against each other all the time. They're coming up with techniques to beat each other. It's very satisfying. So another cool chapter. There were actually quite a few good chapters this week. Um, so what's going to be the best one as declared by Weekly Manga Recap, though? Favorite series and MVP, Chris. Not, not anyone else. Uh, char- uh, chapter of the week is, is Doctor Stone. Uh, that to me was like uh, like a slam dunk. Like wow, this was the coolest fucking chapter this week. Super satisfying. Loved it. Uh, I'm gonna agree with you. There were, like I said, a lot of good chapters this week. There was the one shot from Death Note. Uh, there was, of course, the World Trigger chapter. I like the direction that we never learn is taking. So many good ones. 
But in terms of the reaction that I got when I first read it, Dr. Stone wins hands down because that moment where you, like you mentioned, the Medusa gets held up and you see the earring hooked onto it. And then you get the explanation of what Ryuzu was trying to do was not to overpower it. It was just to hook the earring onto it. And then they finally win. It's really satisfying. So. Uh, my MVP of the week is going to be Armonia Justin because that is a cool <laughs> skeleton dude made of diamonds in his chair. And that is pretty fucking awesome. I am going. <laughs> I love the fucking. I can already see Ninja's like, what the fuck do I even write for that? <laughs> Armonia Justin from the Death Note one shot. <laughs> Which we're not 100% positive that's his name. Just put school skeleton chair guy. <laughs> skeleton chair guy. <laughs> also, I love the fact that his scene is essentially Ryu going, Armonia Justin, what are you doing here? I've got a message. What is the message? I don't know. Bye. He really left his, he left his mark, though. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, mine is going to be, uh, Fafner from, uh, Guardian of the Witch. I feel like his character really makes that opening chapter for me, uh, in terms of his standpoints, his nobility, uh, his practicality and his bluntness. So that, that was 90% of the reason I ended up liking that chapter and thinking that it had potential. So yeah, I super agree with that. The audience, by the way, picked, uh, Dr. Stone as their chapter of the week. And Uruka as their MVP, which I can absolutely agree with as well. Good had, friend Uruka uh, yeah, deserves recognition. Yeah. <laughs> had a giant skeleton made of jewels not ridden in his chair, it probably would have been Uruka on my end as well. But you can't win them all. I think it definitely shows how strong the Dr. Stone chapter was this week that it stands out, not only amongst a bunch of good chapters in general, but also that World Trigger came out this week and Dr. Stone still won. <laughs> If there had been two chapters, it would have been World Trigger. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, that is going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap. Thank you for joining us. We record the show live on Twitch.tv slash RoloT sometime between 7.30 and 8 Eastern time on Wednesdays. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you can also check out our past episodes of weeklymangarecap.podbean.com. Be sure to join the Discord server so that you can take part in all the conversations uh, related to manga, the series that we're talking about, recommendations, and also just other miscellaneous geeky stuff. Uh, you can also use that to find uh, the spreadsheet that Ninja X3i maintains where it keeps track of the recommendations we've been through, uh, audience votes, supplementary awards, all that good stuff. And you can also take part in more of those on the Twitter account, WMRVotes. Spe special thanks go out to everyone who contributes to our Patreon. We appreciate the support. We have been churning out some bonus episodes for you guys to enjoy. Uh, Showdown got put up uh, recently. Should have a special review coming out soon, I believe. Um, and so go check that out. We are starting to put, put out a bunch of stuff on there. Uh, special thanks as well go to Miss Planet for creating the frame for the visual version of the stream. Uh, to our title card is Steve Mann. I'm losing track of it because I'm doing this all by memory. Uh, Winslow Del Cheddar and Milo Jack Stilitz for creating the opening sequence for the manga recap. And that is going to do it. All right. That's going to do it for weekly manga recap this week. I hope everybody enjoyed the episode. 
Uh, go go uh, buy some baby nut merchandise, everybody. Don't do that. That's uh, don't no. do, okay. Spend your money more wisely then. Um, uh, you know I can't think of a better thing to do with your money than spending on baby nut merchandise right now. Uh, okay. do, you, do you have an example? Um, write to um your congressman and About tell him baby nut or her. <laughs> That, like to elect baby not <laughs> that if they do not give a presidential medal to baby nuts <laughs> god damn it he's fucking perfect <laughs> all right that's it <laughs>